Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're talking today about a subject that for some of you is a familiar one. For others of you, you've only heard about people taking cruises, but you've also heard some of the horror stories, cruises that have uh, gone awry, ships breaking down, outbreaks of illness. We've got an expert to help us talk about travel in general and especially about cruises. His name is David Yeskel. He's a travel journalist. He's also known as the Cruise Guru. David, it is great to have you with us today. Thanks, David. Good to be with you. You know, for folks in Indian country, it is such a diverse population. I know many of my listeners have been on cruises, but others, maybe in uh, more remote areas, they've just heard about these things. They may sound interesting. They may sound like the last thing in the world that they would want to do after hearing some of the horror stories. But the reality is millions of people, it seems like, every year go on cruises. Do we know just how popular they are? They are incredibly popular. Um, So last year, about 40 million people cruised. Um, But yet only a very, actually a small percentage of the U.S. population has ever taken a cruise. It's something like in the middle uh, tens or 12 or 12 percent or something like that of the population. So even though it's increasingly popular, a relatively small percentage of Americans have ever cruised. Now, I think one of the things that turns people off if they've never cruised is hearing these stories. I mean, these disabled ships, uh, these uh, outbreaks of diarrhea and nightmare scenarios that play out right on the evening news. How common are these uh, events? They're actually very rare, David. So um, as far as norovirus goes, since since those reports tend to dominate media coverage, when we hear about sickness on ships, it's typically centered around norovirus which, as you know, is a very contagious gastrointestinal um, virus and easily spread. Um, But the reality um, on cruise ships is a lot different from, let's say, the myth. So I'll give you a statistic from last year, for instance. In 2018, about 11 million people cruised from U.S. ports. Of that 11 million, there were only 547 reported cases of norovirus to the CDC. And so it's a very low number, and, and the cruise ships only need to report to the CDC when the outbreak reaches a threshold of 3% of passengers and crew. Mm. So it only reached that outbreak, you know, that threshold a few times, and 547 reported cases out of 11 million who cruise. So the risk to passengers on, on cruise ships is very low. But people should still take common-sense precautions once they're aboard. So I always advise as I'm sure you do, wash your hands often with soap and water. Mm-hmm. Um, on the cruise ships, they also provide Purell sanitizer dispensers at the entrance to just about every food service area aboard. Mm. So it's key, it's important that people sanitize their hands before they enter a food service area, make sure their kids use the sanitizer in, in, when they go in and out of the kids' club. There are kids' clubs on board the ships. So if people take common-sense precautions, 
they're going to stay healthy on ship, even if there is um, an outbreak or just, you know, people having uh, colds. They, they, they can protect themselves as they normally would at home. You know, this is such an important topic, and we really don't talk enough about it in public health circles. Some years ago, when there was that Ebola outbreak, I was just shocked that people weren't talking about common sense things people could do to prevent that potentially killer illness. And I wrote a little book called Evading Ebola at the time, and we talked about some of these common sense things because they found in the research that a lot of people in Africa, for example, were exposed to Ebola, but they never got sick. We didn't hear that story. It's kind of like what we're talking about right now because a lot of times people think, well, I'm just going to be a, a passive victim if I'm on a ship and there's some illness. But like you're pointing out, David, there's so much that we can do individually to keep ourselves healthy, even if there's other people sick around us. Absolutely. So a couple of tips that of things that I do is as soon as I get into my stateroom aboard the cruise, and you could apply this to any hotel room you're, you go into, I sanitize all the high-touch areas that are typically overlooked by routine cleaning, mm-hmm. the bathroom door handle, the telephone, the TV remote, just using disinfectant wipes. I sanitize all those areas. That's the first thing I do. And, and by the way, on the, if I'm taking a flight to the cruise, I do the same thing with the airline tray table in front of me since that's proven to be the dirtiest place on the plane is the airline tray table mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, on the seat in front of you. So just taking those kind of precautions. Um, I also have this uh, UV sanitizing wand. Um, mm-hmm. It sanitizes with UV light, so you don't even have to touch the surface, and that's a small thing that I can just carry. But the disinfectant wipes work great, and they're easy to carry with you. I carry a little travel pouch with me, and I just disinfect areas that may have been overlooked during routine cleaning or that I know are going to harbor viruses and bacteria. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, this is such a great point. I mean, the other thing that goes along with this, even when you're being careful, of course, you can't sanitize every inch of the hotel room or every inch of the uh, airplane or whatever you're traveling on. What's so crazy is so many people don't think about the fact that there are these microbes around and they're handling their, well, touching their eyes, their nose. I mean, this is the way we give infections in the laboratory. We inoculate you know, them into the nose or into the uh, uh, conjunctiva, the, the tissue there around the eye. So I just tell people, sure, you know, do all these hygienic precautions, but if you're going to touch your face, your nose, wash your hands, especially if you've been you know, handling the banisters and, and other things, uh, door handles, like you mentioned. Sure. So, David, let's talk a little bit more just about the, the cruise experience. You've mentioned that there are a lot of people, millions literally every year in the United States that, that do go on the cruise excursions. But at the same time, there's many who've never tried it even. What would be appealing to someone about the cruise experience? What, what kind of selling points do they have? So the primary selling point, I think, is that it's an effortless vacation. So when, when we think about vacations, they're often in you know, places we're not familiar with. And if, we're, if we want to see, say, a few different cities, we're driving between those cities, packing and unpacking, checking in and out of hotels. We have to figure out where we're going to eat each day and are we going to get ripped off at this restaurant. And, and especially people with kids, if you go into a restaurant and it's a high-priced tourist restaurant, mm. a kid, the child orders something, they don't like it, there's 25 bucks, mm. <laughs> right? And so uh, 
there's all these factors you have to keep in mind when you're traveling. With a cruise, you don't have any of that worry. Everything's included. Most things are included in your cruise fare. First of all, your transportation, your ocean transportation. So every day or every couple of days, you wake up in a new port of call. There's no packing and unpacking. All your meals are provided aboard the ship. Great service, service in your cabin, um, entertainment every evening in the lounges, in the showroom. All that is provided for you, and it's there. You don't have to think about where, where am I going to eat tonight, other than making the choice of which restaurant you'd like to try on board the ship. So they're like the, the cruise ships are really like floating cities in a sense. There's, there's multiple lounges and showrooms for entertainment, multiple restaurants, pools, um, gyms, spas. So it's like a, they're like small cities, effectively, and some carry as many people as a small city, mm. some, some up to five or 6,000 passengers. Wow. And um, they're fairly self-contained. Uh, cruising around, let's just say the Caribbean, visiting a port or, or, or a port every day or a port every other day. So it really is an effortless style of vacationing that if people haven't experienced, um, they should try. And, and I can tell you they're also reasonably priced. I think it's also the best, the best vacation value um, really out there. So starting at about, let's say, $75 per person per day on some of the contemporary cruise lines like Carnival or Norwegian, um, a couple can cruise for $150 a day. Hmm. Now, when you think about that, that barely buys a hotel room in some cities, right? That's true. A- and and with that $150, you get your transportation, all your meals, your entertainment, and this incredible pampering service. So it's a vacation value that people don't realize how great a value it is until they've actually experienced it. Now, you write about travel in general. You're not just a spokesperson for the cruise industry, right? No, no, I'm not a spokesperson (laughs) for the cruise industry. I'm a freelance journalist, so I write about all types of travel. I just just, uh, tend to focus on the cruise industry. So basically, when you're telling us this is a good value, you're looking at the whole landscape of options for vacations and saying, hey, if this is something you haven't tried, it maybe should be on your radar screen. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've compared it to all other types of vacation options. And especially if you don't have to fly to the ship's embarkation point. Um, so a lot of the cruise lines have created like ports in local areas, like you know, all along the East Coast. You can cruise out of Baltimore. You can cruise out of uh, near, nearby Orlando. Uh, you can cruise out of Charleston, South Carolina, say, for instance. Uh, on the West Coast, you can cruise out of Long Beach, San Diego. So a lot of these cruise embarkation points are within a few hours drive for a majority of the population, mm. especially you know along the coast. And because of that, people can avoid the cost of flying, which typically is expensive these days. And their cost is really just their drive to the port plus the cruise. And and like I said previously, um, cruising can be very reasonable, uh, reasonably priced. Now, my only experience with cruising was some years ago, David. You may find this interesting. I was invited to be a physician for a, quote, health cruise. The whole cruise ship wasn't devoted to this health theme. But it was an interesting environment. While some of us were doing health screenings and giving health lectures, there were the midnight buffets and the uh, huge dessert tables. So it was definitely uh, one of the more challenging places to to have a health event. But I did enjoy, it was a Caribbean cruise, and I did enjoy a number of the stops where I could take in some of the beauty of uh, the Caribbean Sea. Uh, you know, took a day off uh, snorkeling one day. So 
uh, definitely I felt there was some some real pluses in that experience, even though it was uh, not my most successful opportunity to help motivate change in my audiences. Right, right. Well, I can tell you also, as far as dining options aboard ships, mm-hmm. um, they've gotten more healthy over the years. Oh, okay. So there are healthy dining options on every menu on now on many cruise ship menus. Um, items are noted on the menu if it's, um, let's say, gluten-free. A lot of people follow that diet now. So people can pick and choose, and there are more healthier options than ever before. So just because you're going on a cruise doesn't mean you're going to be filling up on high-carb, sugary foods. Uh, You can, but you can also stay healthy with a lot of healthy options. There are a lot of fruits, great salads now. Um, Dishes are prepared with with less uh, or not lighter sauces than they used to be. So there's certainly ample opportunity to eat healthy on a cruise and the gyms are, are bigger than ever. There are mm-hmm. workout options. There are Pilates classes. There are aerobics classes. So you can maintain the same uh, type of aerobic activity that you have at home um, at sea also. Some years after I did that cruise, someone came to me after one of my lectures, and they said, you should be lecturing on cruise ships. I mean, you, you're given some great material. I mean, here's some names of uh, some folks that book uh, entertainment on cruise ships. Now, i be honest with you, I never followed up on it, but I know a lot of my listeners are talented entertainers. We've had musicians on the show. There are uh, many First Nation peoples have gifts and, and skills in many areas, whether it's speaking or storytelling. Are these things actually in demand on cruise ships today? Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, the cruise lines have have also kind of ramped up the quality of their entertainment uh, more and more. So I'll give you, a, for instance, I, I just cruised on one of the industry's newest ships, uh, Holland America Line's new Staten Dam. Beautiful new ship. And what Holland America Line has done, not only on this ship, but on the other ships in their fleet, is they've really upgraded the live music entertainment aboard in the evening. So they have a an area that they call Music Walk, and there are three venues in the Music Walk. One is called B.B. King's Blues Club, um, jazz, soul, blues. Another is Lincoln Center Stage, affiliated with New York's Lincoln Center for classical music. Mm. And the third is Billboard on Board, where you have two pianist singers who are, who are singing and playing top 40 hits from, from over the years. The quality of the entertainment in all these venues is so superior. These are real pros. And by the way, that entertainment is all included in your cruise fare. We've got to step away. We've got a break right ahead of us. We're going to have more from the cruise guru, David Yeskel. You don't want to miss his insights, not just speaking about cruising, though. Other travel insights, practical things for you and for your health. I'm Dr. DeRose. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical. 
medical unit. Respond to 102 Maple Avenue. Possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose and with David Yeskel, travel journalist known as the cruise guru. David, you have just got a great website, and I say that because I've not seen, I, I, I'll be honest with you, you are the first person to have a website with this domain Tell the folks how they can get a hold of you and get some of the great resources you have. Sure. So my website is oceancruise.guru. That's oceancruise.guru. I have never heard of it. domain just became available a few years ago. And also, I recommend that people follow me on Twitter, where I'm the Cruise Guru, so they can just search the Cruise Guru on Twitter. Every day I tweet out great deals, memorable meals that I've had on board ships, uh, ships that I like, uh, things I've done, photos of where I've been recently. So uh, the Cruise Guru on Twitter is a good way to kind of keep up with me. Tremendous, tremendous. So we've been talking about health, the interface with uh, cruise ships. We're talking about vacations. We're talking about value. And, and really, if you're looking at indicators of health, economics are one of those things. And if uh, families can be more economical in their, their travel I mean, that's going to be a plus for their overall health and their overall outlook. Some people are listening, saying, hey, this, this sounds great, sounds tremendous, I'm ready to take a cruise. Others are saying, hey, we're, we're just struggling to get by. And I know my listeners come from you know, the whole spectrum. So those of you saying, why are you featuring a, a cruise line? I'm never going to get to go on a cruise. Others of you saying, I don't ever want to go on a cruise. But some of you are saying, hey, this is kind of interesting. We're just trying to give you some cutting-edge information from someone who really knows the rope. So with that in mind, David, you mentioned in the last segment as we were closing out some about these newer ships. And one of the questions that I think immediately comes to people's minds, newer ship, bigger ship, well, maybe healthier because they've got you know newer facilities, but maybe not as healthy because you've got a whole lot more bodies on that ship. 
where does that all come down in your mind? Sure. So I think I don't really think there's any appreciable difference in the terms in terms of keeping people healthy, uh, and whether it's a hundred passenger ship or a five thousand passenger ship, mm. and there are ships that run the gamut from that low end to the high end. Um, they all do a very good job these days, I think, of helping people stay healthy. As I mentioned previously, the sanitizer dispensers are liberally, you know, placed throughout the ship. The crew, by the way, uh, does a very good job of cleaning. Every night mm. they're wiping down banisters. Mm. Um, they do a very good job of cleaning the ship and keeping it clean. Um, a lot of, at the modern buffets on board cruise ships, a lot of them have, are less self-serve, um, so you have the crew serving you. So there's less opportunity for maybe for people to touch the utensils, the common utensils, or drop one. Um, so the cruise lines are continually learning, uh, as are the passengers, in how to stay healthy. So whether you cruise on a 100-passenger ship or a 5,000-passenger ship, um, the same rules, and I think common sense precautions apply to, to passengers, but the cruise lines are all doing a very good job. Now, one of the things that sometimes is an issue for folks when we speak about going anywhere on the water, and I remember even as a kid, hey, I loved the water. It was great to you know, go out on the river, go out on a lake. But I think the first time I got out on a boat that took me away from the shore, I couldn't see the shore anymore, I started getting sick. And I've heard a lot of people deal with seasickness. As a physician, I know that we've got medications that can, quote, help. But what is, uh, you know, kind of the man on the street, the travel expert, what do people tell you about these drugs that are sometimes prescribed or sometimes purchased over the counter? Do they really help, or do you still feel that a lot of people complain about seasickness? So, you know, I've luckily I've never had to use uh, any of them, but I've observed people who have used them. Mm -hmm. So what I, what I can tell you, first of all, is that being seasick on a cruise ship is also a rarity. People worry that they're going to get sick on cruises because they've been sick on small boats mm -hmm. like you were. So a small boat, you know, bobs up and down pretty right. rapidly. Uh, if, if there's movement on the big cruise ship, and I'm saying mm, if you're in a storm, that's another story, of course. But if there's movement, it's temp temp uh, typically a gentle rolling movement um, that's kind of soothing, actually. So for a lot of people who've been sick on small boats and worry about being sick on cruises, um, it, it's a non-event typically for them because they're not going to get sick. Now, if they do get motion sickness, if there's high winds, if there's a storm and the ship is really moving around, uh, they do have a, some tips and tricks on their own. They deploy stabilizers, which are mm. these giant fins that, that stick out from the side of the ship to help smooth out the ride. So the captain could do that at any time when he feels it's necessary. But for people who do get seasick, obviously you know that um, Dramamine pills and, and other drugs like that are typically given, but those only work once you're sick. Um, and they tend to knock you out, so you'll sleep for a while. But a lot of people wear a patch behind their mm -hmm. ears. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. um, it delivers a, um, you know, a, a timed medication that helps to prevent motion sickness. Uh, but the majority of the people wearing them weren't going to need them anyway. Mm -hmm. And there are some side effects that come with those also. So there's a problem in that people get dry mouth or blurry vision sometimes with those patches. So people can take, you know, precautions with prophylactic uh, drugs like those. But in most cases, people weren't going to get seasick anyway. So uh, I would advise people just to wait it out, see how you do. You can always get something to help if you get motion sickness. And one 
tip that I've learned over the years is that keeping your stomach full actually helps ward off motion sickness. Hmm. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but I've found that that's the case. Interesting. I mean, I really appreciate your points because a lot of times people are, you know, reaching for the medications. They're afraid they've got a condition. I mean, sometimes that's why they come in to see us as physicians. But in this case, yes, they're afraid they're going to get that motion sickness, and they may be taking something that's completely unnecessary. So, I mean, just, uh, uh, I think, some great messaging, David, on, on that topic. Right. And and really, the keeping your stomach full is, is I learned that uh, I was in a ship uh, in a hurricane for about three days. Wow. And the only times I started to feel a little bit off were just before meals when I was my stomach was pretty emptied out. As soon as I ate, I feel better. So uh, it, it does sound counterintuitive, but keeping your stomach full, I found, and a lot of other frequent cruisers have found that too, really helps you. So, um, And that's an easy thing to do aboard ship, by the way. Well, some of our ladies that are tuning in are saying, boy, these guys are really, they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. We've known this for, for years. I mean, when we got pregnant and had morning sickness, you know, we ate before we got out of bed. So why are they thinking this is some amazing insight? But really, it, it is counterintuitive. Most people wouldn't think that it would help uh, unless they've, they're a woman who's been pregnant and had morning sickness, right? Right. Well, let's talk about cruise destinations. We've been speaking about leaving from U.S. ports. Even if you're leaving from a U.S. port, I mean, some cruises go to, to countries or to regions that, well, uh, may not have the health standards that we have here in the U.S. I know some folks, uh, as I understand it, travel by cruise ship to Cuba. Is that still the case? That is still the case. So there are cruises to Cuba now since Cuba was opened up to us Americans a couple of years ago. Uh, it's a very popular way to travel to Cuba now. And um, uh, frankly, I think it's a great way to go to Cuba because um, I call your cruise ship the best hotel in Havana right now mm, okay. uh, in terms of uh, creature comforts. Uh, the hotels there in Havana and in other parts of Cuba really aren't up to the level of quality that most Americans uh, expect when they're traveling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How about health concerns if, if someone's headed to Cuba? Is that a more iffy venture um, you know, so doctors typically recommend a hepatitis A uh, vaccine mm -hmm. before if you're traveling throughout the country. Um, if you're going to be on a cruise ship, you don't really need that. Um, and and eating most of your meals on board the ship is the best way to go anyway, um, just because the quality of what you're getting aboard ship is much better than you would get in the Cuban restaurants or, or hotels. So um, you're... I don't think you have to really worry about health concerns, but an interesting fact about traveling in Cuba is, let's say you're cruising to Cuba, either way, your Cuban visa covers you for free medical care once you're in the country. Really? So if you have a need to see a doctor, if you're sick, if you're injured, your visa covers you for free medical care uh, in Cuba, um, just as the Cuban people have you know, covered medical, medical care for all. For all. Um, your medical care is, is the same way when you're in Cuba on a visa. That is very interesting. So let me ask you this. You've traveled all over the world, and we're talking about cruises here, and especially departing from destinations in North America. Where else in the world are cruises popular, and might someone from America, whether they're from a native background or, or otherwise, uh, want to consider as far as other options? Sure. So there are, uh, the cruise ships are all over the world these days, and, and these companies, these large cruise companies, have ships positioned in all parts of the world. 
So uh, I particularly have enjoyed cruising around Europe, especially in the Mediterranean. And there are fascinating ports uh, to visit, of course. Uh, you know, in the Western Mediterranean, it's Italy, Spain. And the Eastern Mediterranean, it's um, you know Israel, Cyprus, Greece, Turkey. Um, the benefit of cruising in those destinations is it's very hard to travel around on your own if you're not on a cruise. Mm. Uh, it involves multiple multiple flights, say maybe short ferry rides. Uh, it's hard to see the amount of uh, the number of cities and places you visit on a cruise on your own um, without killing yourself, say, in, in, in a week or 10 days. Mm -hmm. So it's a much more comfortable way to experience Europe uh, and the Mediterranean on a cruise ship than certainly trying to do it on your own via a land vacation. Really, really interesting stuff, interesting insights, David. We are going to step uh, away just for a couple of minutes, and uh, we'll be coming back with more insights on travel as well as uh, things that, boy... You might be surprised that a travel guru would know, but can make a difference as far as uh, not only your social life, but your health as well. I'm Dr. DeRose. We will be back with more right after this. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. DeRose and David Yesko. This is the second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. We're speaking about travel, especially about cruising. And David, as we've been talking, it just caused me to reflect on the kind of things that I really enjoy myself and try to advocate uh, for my patients on behalf of, and that is healthier vacations, doing things that are more active. And we'd say in Indian country, really connecting with some of those indigenous activities, whether it was canoeing or swimming or walking or just being out in nature, whether it was things that might even involve some some agricultural pursuits. Uh, some of my Native friends would say, well, we go, go hunting uh, as part of, it's really part of our way of living, but it's also a recreation. Um, I'm not going to pass judgment on what is a better form of physical activity to get or not. I mean, anyone could weigh in on that. But with cruising, I think a lot of people, maybe prior to this show, had this mindset, you're just sitting around on a boat. You've already told us there's a lot of onboard stuff like health clubs and pools. But how about at the points of, uh, of interest where they, they actually disembark? Is there typically opportunity for people to, to be active or not so much? You know, these days, as a matter of fact, in the last five years, there are more active shore excursions than than sedentary shore excursions. Mm. So the cruise lines are, of course, trying to cater to and market to younger people all the time who want more active options. So I'll give you a for instance. In Alaska, on the cruises in Alaska, you can kayak in certain ports. You can mm. scuba in certain ports. Wow. Um, there are glacier hikes that you can take. Um, there are all kinds of active shore excursions available pretty much um, in ports around the world. I was on a European river cruise last summer. They kept a fleet of bicycles on board the ship. Wow. And every morning, they put the bikes out. You could just take a bike out, go wherever you wanted, or go on an organized uh, ride along with a guide. So there are so many options to to stay healthy and fit and be active on cruises that I really think they out they now those options now outweigh the more sedentary options like sitting on a bus in a city tour for four hours, you know, which which used to be uh that was the typical tour offered in a city. Now it's get out and see it. Go on a, a fast walking tour, go on a hike up to a castle, um, take a kayak ride, go scuba diving, take a bike out and go wherever you want. So there are certainly plenty of uh, plenty of ways to stay active uh, on and off the cruise ships. So you've been making a case really for folks to to look at some different vacation options and uh, include cruising on the list. How does someone, if they've never been on a cruise ship, how do they know what to choose? I mean, first time cruiser, do you have some advice for them? Yeah, I sure do. So I think everybody who, especially those who aren't familiar with cruising, should work with a travel agent who is a cruise expert. Uh, many travel agents now specialize in cruises. Um, you know, it's a very big industry. And for those that know about the cruises and, and are really cruise specialists, they can help people fit them into which cruise line will be best for them. They'll ask some questions, what do you typically like to do? Um, how important is this to you versus this? And they'll help guide you to find the right cruise, the right cruise line, right cruise ship, right destination. So I, my suggestion is always to work with a good travel agent who's a cruise specialist. 
it won't cost you anything more. The 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 cruise uh, the travel agents are compensated by the cruise lines when they mm-hmm. sell the cruise. So it's uh, really invaluable advice and experience that you can get uh, working with a travel agent rather than trying to buy it on your own, say on a website, you know, like Expedia. So how does someone go about finding a good cruise specialist? So uh, they really need to ask, uh, find some travel agencies in your area, or or even if they're not in your area, you can certainly call. This can all be done by phone. And ask questions. Ask whether there are staff in the agency who have cruise expertise. Um, And then when you speak speak to them, ask them, how many ships have you seen? How many cruises have you been on? Uh, what lines have you experienced? Would you be able to help me and guide me? And uh, they'll generally, hopefully, will be honest with you and uh, be able to help you. But that's the first question I would ask when calling a travel agency is, do you have staff who are cruise specialists? And I would like to talk to them. So now if we were to ask you those questions, David, like how many cruise lines have you been on? How many cruises have you taken? Could you give us some numbers? Sure. I've been on um, somewhere between 75 and 80 cruises Wow! Um, over a lot of years. So I've mm-hmm. spread it over a lot of years. Uh, I've been on most of the major cruise lines. Um, haven't, cruised, haven't cruised all over the world, but in, in many parts of the world. And, you know, it, it's always a great experience. Uh, I've never had a cruise I could call a bad experience mm-hmm. because it's, a, it's such a great way to travel that I'm a big proponent of it, and that's one of the reasons why I started writing about cruising. Uh, I think it's a great way to travel, and it's it's a great vacation value. So uh, I've enjoyed all of them. Um, but I can tell you and I can tell our listeners that the majority of cruise ships are in the Caribbean uh, over the winter, fall, and spring. Mm-hmm. And that's where the best values typically lay, oh, just okay. because of the, the amount of industry capacity that's there. So basically, some of our folks from southeastern tribes, they're going to have a, an advantage if they're, they're in Florida, if they're uh, maybe even in the, the Carolinas, uh, getting down to a port. And you said there were ports there in, in South Carolina? That... Yeah, there's a ship's cruise out of Charleston. Uh, it's seasonal, I believe. I'm not sure if it's all year round. Mm-hmm. Um, Charleston, there are a couple other cruise ports in the southeast. Um, besides the big, the big cruise ports in Florida and Fort Lauderdale and Miami. So there are a lot of options there, and, and most of the industry places uh, a lot of their ships there, and so the best values can typically be found in that area. Good, good. Now, a big question when it comes to health is this uh, one about health insurance. You, know, you mentioned the scenario in, in Cuba, but in other places – if someone gets sick, uh, do they need some kind of special arrangements with most of the uh, U.S. insurance? And I know you might yeah. not be prepared to talk about tribal health programs, but just in general for uh, you know the, the audience that listens from all over the country. Sure. It's important for people to know that when they're traveling by cruise or otherwise, or by cruise certainly, by definition, you're almost always going to be cruising outside the country. Mm. And people should remember that their medical insurance in the U.S. does not cover them abroad. Um, so, so people should always add travel insurance to whatever vacation they're buying. So on a cruise, for instance, you could insure your with trip cancellation, which say you get sick before you leave, you can't mm-hmm. travel, um, you don't want to forfeit the full value of what you paid, so you're 
trip cancellation coverage would, ca- would cover you there. But the most important um, aspect of travel insurance is really the medical coverage. So if you're traveling outside the U.S. and you get sick or injured, um, you want to be treated, obviously, the, at the best possible location um, without being asked for thousands of dollars up front in cash payments, mm-hmm. which is what they want if you don't have insurance. Wow. Um, and so that's key to remember, and there's a, a, critical, a critical component of the medical insurance, and that's emergency evacuation coverage. Mm-hmm. And, and that is if, if, say, you're in a remote location, let's say you're Let's just throw a, a, a remote uh, exotic location out there, like you're cruising in the South Pacific, and that day you're on the Isle of Tonga, let's just say, mm-hmm. and you have a bad injury or get very sick, and you need first world health care or you're going to die. Um, now, if you have the emergency evacuation insurance and you can't be efficiently treated where you are, they provide an airplane with a nurse and or a doctor who will fly you in out of that location to the nearest hospital that can provide with you, you with the medical care you need. Mm. That's why that component, that emergency evacuation coverage, is a critical component of the travel insurance package. So basically, the kind of standard travel insurance that someone might sign up for, if they didn't take your advice and go through the travel agent, they're on Expedia or uh, Travelocity or Orbitz, one of these travel sites, um, they say, hey, I can check this box and I get travel insurance. That usually covers, like you mentioned, the trip cancellation. Does that usually cover health needs as well? No, it does not. Okay. It does not. And so that's why it's, it's very important to look typically outside uh, to another uh, operator for those. There are two companies that I use and I recommend primarily. One is TravelGuard. And the other is Alliance, spelled A-L-L-I-A-N-Z. Those are two very large companies that offer travel insurance packages at pretty much competing prices. Um, the, the insurance packages aren't that expensive. And you see, um, you can see in a matrix when you're buying the package on their website or someone could explain it to you over the phone exactly what you're getting. And, and you can see the value of specifically what the medical coverage is, typically, you know, 25000 per person, say, and the emergency evacuation coverage uh, is also starts at usually $150,000 per person coverage for that coverage, and that can be very expensive. Wow. So what I'm hearing between the lines is if I don't have that emergency evacuation coverage and I do need to be evacuated, I may be looking at a debt of over $100,000. Is that true? Yeah, it, it can be upwards of $250,000 for that. Really? That's why it's so important to include that. Make sure that your limits are bumped up for that particular coverage in the policy. So typically they'll start out at maybe 100, 150,000, depending on your destination. If you're going to be somewhere more remote, um, I advise people to bump up that coverage to 250,000 dollars of coverage, and it usually costs an extra 20 or 30 dollars to mm. to bump up that coverage. So mm-hmm. it's not that expensive, but um, should you need it, it it's life-saving. Right. So you made a big pitch for saying, hey, if you're looking for value, go to the Caribbean. I'm assuming things are close enough to the U.S. and the Caribbean, you could probably get away with the 150000 Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and by the way, the, the best values are typically in the Caribbean because the newer, bigger ships are there, but there are good values 
all over the country in, in ports. Uh, for instance, um, Carnival has three ships cruising out of Long Beach, California. Uh, so people within driving distance of that port, and there are certainly millions of people within driving distance of Long Beach, uh, which is just near Los Angeles. Um, Carnival has three ships that cruise out of that port at very reasonable rates, some starting as low as $50 a day per person. Mm. So it isn't only on the East Coast. Um, that's where the majority of the ships are, but there are good values to be had pretty much all over the country. So just curious, where do the ships go that leave Long Beach? Leave Long Beach? They go to Mexico. Okay. Yeah, they go to the shorter cruises, go to uh, Ensenada, which is just a port in Baja, California. The three- or four-day cruises go there. The seven-day cruises leaving from Long Beach call at Cabo San Lucas, Mazatlan, and Puerto Vallarta, and then come back to Long Beach. Interesting. You're just a wealth of information, David, and we want to expand the travel dialogue in our next segment, maybe step away from cruises a bit. Are you up for that? Sure, that'd be great. Before we step away for the break, one more time, how does someone get a hold of you? Sure, and my website is oceancruise.guru, but the best way to follow what I'm doing and read about my tips and tricks for traveling uh, is via Twitter, where I'm the Cruise Guru. So just search the Cruise Guru on Twitter. You'll see me, David Yeskel, and every day I tweet out deals, great meals, uh, things I like, uh, where I've been, and um, you'll see it all there. Tremendous stuff. We've got one more segment coming up with David Yeskel. Don't miss it. More to come right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. <laughs> 
Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose with David Yeskel. David has been sharing with us insights into travel, healthy travel, especially as it relates to cruises. Some of you, if you've been saying, hey, I don't think it's ever going to happen, or for other reasons, you're never going to get on a cruise ship. We want to speak to you as well and really expand the dialogue. David, I think one of the questions that always comes up is about air travel. Uh, I'm surprised. I meet people all the time, and it's not limited to any segment of the population. It's not an Indian country issue per se, but people who have never flown on a plane may be afraid to. What about the safety issue, first of all, with air travel these days? Air travel is and has always been a very safe way to travel. Uh, Notwithstanding the recent news about Boeing's MAX uh, 737, MAX 8, um, it's a very, very safe way to travel and increasingly inexpensive. Um, There are all these low-cost and what are called ultra-low-cost airlines that have come on the scene in recent years that offer very reasonable fares. Um, And especially you can be a little flexible about the dates and times that you travel. This is such important information. I meet so many people throughout Indian country who maybe grew up on a reservation and now they're living hundreds of miles away, maybe in an urban area. And sometimes it just seems kind of daunting to get back. Maybe there's a family event. Maybe they got to get back because uh, there's a tribal election or tribal enrollment uh, requirements to, to be back on the reservation, maybe on an annual basis, depending on the tribe. And sometimes folks are saying, boy, I mean, it's a long drive. Uh, Sometimes you do the math, and especially if it's just one person, the air travel options, if you know how to purchase the tickets, can be a better deal than driving. Right. That's true. Um, And so air travel is pretty much sold like a commodity these days. So you typically don't need a travel agent for that. Uh, you know, relative regarding cruising, remember I suggested that people should use a travel agent mm-hmm. because there's so many different types of cruises and for different types of people with different likes and dislikes. Air travel is really, a, air tickets are really a commodity. So it's okay to buy those on your own via, via the websites, either whether you're using an online travel agency like Expedia or Travelocity um, or the airline's websites directly. And But it, people should be a little flexible. If they can be flexible with their dates and their times, they can typically seek out fares, lower fares on certain days of the week that mm. aren't as busy for air travel, like Saturdays, for instance. Um, sometimes Wednesdays are a very light day, but Saturdays are one of the lightest travel days. So if you can travel on a Saturday, at least in one direction, you'll likely save some money. So... For someone who's saying, okay, I can save a little bit, but it's still going to be really pricey, you mentioned these ultra-low-cost airlines. Some of the airlines that seem to have better fares aren't always on those uh, search engines. How do people find them? Right. So people could go directly onto these airlines' websites. So the the major ultra-low-cost carriers in the U.S. are Spirit and Frontier. Uh, Both of those compete in this area that's called ultra-low-cost. So the, the seats are very low cost. You can buy them directly on the airline's website, on Spirit or Frontier's website. And Allegiant is another one, although they have a smaller um, smaller route map. 
and you can buy it directly on their website. But people should just know that these airlines charge extras for almost everything. Mm. If you want to bring a carry-on bag, that's an extra charge. Uh, if you want to reserve a seat, that's an extra charge. If you want to print your boarding pass at the airport, that's an extra charge. So really? If, if people can be aware of those extras and try to avoid them, um, or you know, if necessary, maybe you do need to bring a carry-on bag, but you'll have to fold that and figure that into your total fare mm. when you're computing it because the airline seat itself looks like it's a very low price, but um, you have to watch the extras. So it's one of those options that may be really great if you are going back home or going to be with family where you don't have to be carting a bunch of clothes or other things with you if you've got some options uh, at your destination. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So people should look for those. Uh, the ultra-low-cost airlines are particularly good value. Now, we talked about travel insurance. We talked about health needs that can arise, of course, when you're flying in the domestic U.S. I mean, there isn't the problem with conventional health insurance, although there may be some issues with uh, certain you know, tribal services, depending on where you're flying. What about the whole insurance deal? I mean, is it something on domestic flights you recommend people having insurance with those, or is that just a needless expense? No, I think that's a needless expense, pretty much. Um, I mean, people have to realize that if they, the way airline tickets work these days, if you don't travel, you either lose the value of what you paid, or you can apply it to a uh, you know another fare in the future, but there's usually a change fee, mm -hmm. uh, a heavy change fee that's applied to that. So, for instance, you may have bought a ticket for $100 each way to fly between two cities. Uh, to change that, they may the airline may charge you $200 to change that. So, so people should just be pretty pretty sure of their travel plans uh, before they actually pay, because there are no refunds these days and and change fees typically apply, except on Southwest Airlines. So Southwest, which is, of course, a very big carrier in this country, um, still has a no-change-fee policy. So if you can travel on Southwest, that's what I recommend, because if you do need to change your plans, there's no charge to change your plan. So they are the only carrier that has that policy? They're the only carrier that does not charge a change fee. They won't give you a refund, so you have to use the value of that ticket within a year after you purchase it. Mm -hmm. But um, you can change it as many times as you need to to fit your travel needs. So, so Southwest is a good option if you want to. Uh, it's, a, it's the best insurance that I call it uh, without being an actual insurance. Mm -hmm. And then Southwest, as far as I know, has no fee for baggage either, right? At least for the that's the correct. That's correct. Most other, almost every other airline does now, and Southwest charges uh, no fee for up to two uh, checked bags um, plus one carry-on, of course, that's free too. So. Southwest is great. Um, they keep all the other airlines uh, kind of on their toes, and they're still the the principal low-cost carrier in, in the country, and they, they now carry more passengers than any other U.S. air carrier. Oh, really? As far as domestic flights or total? As far as domestic flights, yes. Wow. Uh, other pointers. Some folks are listening in today. They're saying, okay, so I've got got a lot of options on uh, on cruising. I've got some insights uh, on air travel. Uh one of the questions that I know some people sometimes try to compare, you know, you've made this case for, you know, the economics of uh, of cruising, but someone might say, well, you know, I've I've cruised before. Uh, let's, you know, focus on the on the Caribbean or the Caribbean, however we want to pronounce it on the show. And uh, they say, you know, I'm thinking maybe I'll just go to one destination. I'll just fly 
to Jamaica or, or fly to one of the, the Bahamas islands. Is that um, a, a reasonable option for some people, or are there still some things they might be missing where the, the cruise is going to be the better option for them? Well, so what, what a lot of people uh, talk about with cruising, and, and one knock, frankly, on cruising is that you're only in a port for maybe a day or maybe a half day. Mm-hmm. So people feel like they don't get enough time in these destinations. But I really think it's enough time to get a taste for whether you like the destination and you want to return. Mm. And so people often focus on maybe one port they loved when they were off the ship and didn't have enough time to really explore it in depth and want to go back there. That's what I recommend. So look for places you may have experienced before or, or other people you've talked to who have experienced a great option in a particular city or resort area. And, and yes, yeah, certainly flying to those resort areas um, – and uh, I like all-inclusive resorts because mm-hmm. um, there's no nickel and diming. You know what you're paying up front. You get your food, uh, your entertainment with that, kind of like on a cruise ship, mm-hmm. um, and all the values there. And they're also great for people with kids, uh, for families. So, and, and the best values in the all-inclusive um, world are really in Mexico. Mexico and the Dominican Republic, but Mexico is obviously a lot easier to get to. Um, and they're great values there. Um, not quite as good as cruises, but pretty close. Oh, okay. You mentioned families. As we're, we're winding down, you talked about some of the differences in, in cruise lines and cruise ships. Are there really some cruise lines or ships that are more family-friendly than others? Yes, uh, there are. So pretty much all the cruise ships in what are called the contemporary and premium categories, the larger ships, the medium-sized ships, all have good kids' clubs on board these days. Holland America, Princess, Carnival, Norwegian, Royal Caribbean, Celebrity. They all have kids' clubs, age-tiered kids' clubs. So they have mm. maybe three clubs, one for three- to five-year-olds, another for six- to eight-year-olds, uh, and another for nine- to 12-year-olds, and then maybe a teens' club, all with activities that run every day um, that are appropriate for those age groups. Mm. So it's like your kids having a built-in camp mm-hmm. for you to send mm-hmm. them to. The kids can go as much as they'd like or as little as they'd like, and that's also included in the cruise fare. So it's a great family vacation because, when, as parents know, when your kids are entertained, you're happy. <laughs> Very good, David. Our time is just about gone. Before we sign off, one more time, folks want to tap into your wisdom off-air. How do they do it? Sure. Follow me on Twitter as the Cruise Guru. And you'll see all my all my stuff there, uh, my recommendations for travel, what I like uh, on, cru- on cruise ships, and my website with uh, stories that I've written is oceancruise.guru, and you can see what I've done in the past there. Thanks so much, David. We've got to step away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. It's been great to expand our horizons. Hopefully today's show has given you some insights into how to uh, get recreation maybe a little bit more healthier than you've done in the past. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose, as always, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.